Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Common Sense with Dr. Ben Carson. I'm your host, Ben Carson. And today we have a very special guest, uh, Dean Nelson. Dean is the vice president of the Human Coalition, which is one of the largest pro-life organizations in the United States. He's also chairman of the Douglas Leadership Institute, a nonprofit that's dedicated to human dignity, strong families, and limited government. Boy, we can certainly use those things. And Dean is a licensed minister with Salem Baptist Church in Marshall, Virginia, and an ordained bishop with the Wellington Boone Ministries. Welcome, Dean. So glad to have you with us today. Well, it's an honor to be on, sir. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Well, you know, uh, let's jump right into this. Uh, We're coming up on the one-year anniversary of the Dobbs decision, which overturned Roe v. Wade. And uh, the midterms, didn't turn out the way a lot of people thought they would. And maybe it was because it was made to be about abortion rather than the myriad other things that are going on in our society. Uh, What do you think about that theory? Uh, I think that it is no secret that the pro-abortion advocates, Planned Parenthood and others uh, are pushing uh, this issue. When you have something that has been uh, kind of, you know, intact and part of the culture for 50 years almost, people kind of get used to it. And uh, while we are elated and grateful to God that Roe versus Wade has been overturned, uh, I think that we only have to look back at, you know, uh, the end of slavery in America and know that there was the rise of the Ku Klux Klan, there was the rise of lynching. So you see a backlash, you know, that happens. And I think that that's what we have seen uh, in our modern American political, um, you know, landscape. But I think that the key is for pro-life uh, people, number one, to understand clearly that the fight is not over. Just because Roe versus Wade was overturned, it has given that opportunity back to people in their states to define how they want to limit abortion. So with the amount of money, I mean, you know, millions, you know, in some regards, probably over a hundred million dollars spent by pro-abortion people to redefine this uh, issue and to push it. I do think that many uh, elected officials and candidates in our midterm uh, elections were unprepared. And uh, it's our hope at Human Coalition and Human Coalition Action, as well as other great pro-life organizations to help Uh, the messaging and to help the people understand that today, still 75 percent of the country, you can still get abortion and how we can really help people to align their values. You know, 70 percent of America would align with uh, having some restrictions on abortion. But the Democrat Party is, you know, at the national level for certain is fixated on abortion on demand at any time up until nine months, which is tragic. That's not where most of America is. And we're trying to help uh, the American people to better understand that. Well, you know, it seems that uh, the media also is very much pro-abortion. 
And uh, they push the issue so much and they try to demonize anybody who wants to have some kind of a standard. Have, have you been able to recognize any standard that the pro-abortion people are putting forth? I mean, they always want to know, do you want to, will you sign on to six weeks or 15 weeks? But they won't say what they sign on to in terms of not doing abortions. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty tra- tragic, quite honestly, Doctor Carson. As you would you would know um, by being in the medical you know profession, uh, even uh, moderates that I know who have tried, and even some Democrats that have tried to find common ground, uh, the pro-abortion forces uh, aligned with the Democratic Party have silenced their voices. I've worked very closely over the years and have mentored the president for Democrats for Life. Um, They are pushing to really snuff out any kind of dissent that would come from from moderate voices. And so what we're trying to do is to, again, help to elevate the discussion to help, uh, you know, the general electorate understand how far uh, they are in terms of um, pushing abortion uh, within our culture. And you would know that uh, 79% of um, abortion facilities uh, are found in black and Latino neighborhoods, according to several places, but particularly protecting black life, where you can literally go to their site and literally through Google, find exactly where these uh, surgical abortion facilities of Planned Parenthood located. So there can be no mistake as to where they are located and part of what their agenda is, has from its inception been to, um, let's just say, uh, eliminate certain segments of the uh, American population that um, yes. they don't want too many of. Well, what kind of uh, what kind of person was Margaret Sanger? It's a great question. You know, we we like to we like to deal with facts. And in a letter that she wrote in 1939 to uh, Clarence Gamble of the Procter and Gamble Fortune, she would literally state that we don't want word to go out that we want to exterminate the Negro population. Uh, She would further state that uh, we can work with uh, colored ministers to help in this effort. And uh, so ever since I heard that when I was a student in college, which changed my opinion from being a pro-choice person to being a pro-life person when I was a student, uh, when I heard about this, I have dedicated my life to engaging with pastors to help reverse that curse. And I'm proud to say that under my hat with uh, the Douglas Leadership Institute, under the great uh, abolitionist Frederick Douglass, we have signed on over a thousand African-American pastors that have made a pledge to stand for righteousness and justice with a pro-life ethic. And uh, we're doing a lot around the country, particularly working uh, with the Church of God in Christ in their denomination, which um, has taken a very strong and bold stand for the sanctity of human life. Amen. Well, you know, it's, it's interesting. Um, I used to be pro-choice. Um, growing up in all liberal areas, you know, that was just my philosophy. And even though I didn't personally think that abortion was the right thing, I didn't think that I had the right to say anything to anybody else about their own body and what they did with it. And then I started thinking about slavery. And, uh, you know, the slave owners thought that they could do anything they wanted to a slave, kill, beat, rape, whatever, uh, because it belonged to them. And I said, what if the abolitionist had said, I don't believe in slavery, but, you know, I don't have any right to tell you what to do. Where would we be? (laughs) So maybe we do have an obligation. And, you know, as it says in in the book of Proverbs, 24th chapter, 11 and 12th verse, you know, those who are being drawn away to death, the innocent ones who are about to be slain, did you say anything? And does not he who sees everything know whether you did something? And it's not good enough to say, I didn't know about it. That is a, a scripture that uh, we have used and memorized uh, at Human Coalition um, for years. And uh, that one version says, oh, hold them back. Uh, it is our responsibility. And similarly, when I was that college student, um, you know, I thought, hey, abortion is legal, so it must be okay. And then a very polite 
um, young pro-life student on campus asked me, she says, well, you're a black American. She says, um, just because something is legal doesn't make it right. She says, did slavery, was slavery okay because it was legal? And that was kind of like a punch between my eyes and it made me reevaluate. And um, I've tried to do my best to be a, a winsome advocate for the sanctity of human life, to persuade people uh, from all vantages, all backgrounds that um, that that life is deservedly to be protected. And if 98 percent of biologists agree that life begins at conception, uh, it's not just a religious argument, but it's also a scientific argument. Well, speaking of religious arguments, you know, people who believe in God and believe, therefore, in the sanctity of life, it's understandable how they would be pro-life. But what argument could you make for someone who doesn't believe in God? Why should they still be individuals who choose life? Yeah, one of the greatest, um, I guess, blessings is being able to work with people who don't agree uh, with me on a whole host of things like um, uh, feminists for life, um, progressives and uh, atheists uh, for life. And their claim is the science clearly demonstrates that this is a child in utero. And they point to the story of Abby Johnson, whom you know, uh, mm -hmm. when she was there as a director of Planned Parenthood and had to oversee an ultrasound guided abortion. And when she saw that little infant swimming away from the object that was implanted into uh, the mother's uh, you know, womb, you, you can't escape the, the horror of seeing a tiny human being uh, inside of a mother trying to swim to get away from this object that is uh, about to um, thrust certain death and doom on a child. And so I think that when we're really honest and we look uh, at what is actual, what an abortion actually is, uh, even if we're talking about seven weeks or six weeks when that child has a uh, detectable heartbeat, I think that most Americans would say, hey, this really is wrong. This is barbaric. Uh, why should we in America have laws that allow for the death of a preborn child uh, similar to China or North Korea rather than, uh, you know, uh, liberal Europe? I mean, they have much better laws in protecting uh, innocent children in the womb than we do. And uh, I think that we just have to do a better job of getting that word out to all of Americans, as you stated, not just uh, those of us with a, uh, a religious bent, but even Americans that have no religion and background. Yes. Now, you mentioned uh, Frig Frederick Douglass uh, a moment ago. Uh, what, what, was, what was his thinking about life? It's a great, great question. You know, abortion certainly was illegal, you know, during his day. And uh, to the degree that it came up, uh, Douglas was such a huge advocate for uh, protections for all people. Obviously, slavery was going on at the time, but he was such a huge proponent of the Bible. Uh, his favorite book was the Bible. Uh, he felt like that his rationale regarding the protection uh, of, uh, of black Americans and the dignity of all Americans uh, was from the Bible and his commitment to his family, you know, he had uh, his children memorize scriptures, you know, around the uh, the dinner table they had to quote. Uh, so all of the evidence that we can gather from Frederick Douglass would point to him being an advocate for justice for all people, including preborn human beings, based on his commitment as a minister of the gospel and his um, biblical ethic regarding issues of his day. Yeah, you know, I've been giving it some thought, and you know, you, abortion is ubiquitous in our society now. It's every, everywhere, and uh, little children see it. You know, they they have a situation where their their mom was pregnant, and then all of a sudden there's no pregnancy anymore and they start wondering what's going on and they learn about abortions and 
I think it probably starts to desensitize people mm -hmm. to the value of human life. Yes. And as, as we've grown more coarse in our feelings about uh, the unborn, I, I think it translates to coarseness about our relationships with others as well. And that may be one of the reasons that we're seeing all these mass murders going on, mm -hmm. because people just don't have a sense of value of other individuals and of the importance of their lives. I think it's a huge responsibility, particularly for the church uh, in America, uh, Protestant and Catholic, to reaffirm the dignity of all people and the sanctity of human life, that idea of Imago Dei, because you're absolutely right. Uh, in inner cities uh, around America, as well as in uh, you know, even some of the wealthiest uh, places of our country, there isn't a true, clear understanding of the value of, of human life. We see people, whether it's gun violence that do that, but it's not just in urban America. You see people that are desensitized, uh, you know, in some of the wealthiest parts of America where you have high rates of suicide, where you have high rates of... Um, uh, you know, mass shootings that we've seen. And so I think that we have a responsibility to pray, to fast, and to proclaim uh, God's idea of Imago Dei, that all of us have great value, regardless of, uh, of our age, regardless of uh, where we were born, our skin color, or even uh, of our ability to do things within society. You know, just because we uh, have function just because we have uh, the ability to quote unquote do great things doesn't mean that our lives are of greater value than uh, those who have uh, disabilities, than those who are unable to do things. All life is precious and valuable. Absolutely. And, you know, you look at the people who are on the streets, the homeless people. Uh, a lot of those people are drug addicts, a lot of them are mentally ill. Uh, they're completely incapable of taking care of themselves. And I think a compassionate society would look at those people and say, we have to help them. You know, housing first, it's a good thing to get people off the street, but that's not anywhere near enough because 90 plus percent of those people end up back on the street. Mm -hmm. You have to do housing second, which is why are they on the street? Yes. And you got to do housing third which is, how can we fix it? I mean, if, if you don't do housing second and third, housing first, you're just spitting in the ocean. You're not doing anything. And unfortunately, we don't seem to recognize that. And part of that, I think, is because it's not my problem. I don't care. You know, they just walk past that person, not realizing that could be you or your son or your daughter. Things happen. And it can change people's lives pretty dramatically in the same way that we can change people's lives dramatically in the right way if we, if we actually care. Well, and that's one of the approaches that we've used at Human Coalition that makes us uh, different from most pro-life organizations. And that's number one, uh, you know, our mission to make abortion unthinkable within our culture. Uh, our method of doing that is engaging with women who are seeking abortions. And so in our short history, we've engaged with hundreds of thousands of women who are on their way to get that abortion, but we've engaged with them primarily through uh, through the internet, uh, have connected them to uh, one of our, uh, our counselors, one of our um, uh, professional uh, healthcare uh, staffers. In most cases, they're gonna get a nurse uh, and they'll talk with that nurse and they will help them to connect with resources that are in their community that can help them to make that healthy decision. One of the most important stats that we have gathered over the last two years, 76% of women who are seeking to get an abortion say they would choose to parent if their circumstances were different. And so our goal is to connect them to those resources. And we're proud to have partnered with states, uh, agencies in Texas and Tennessee, uh, in North Carolina, uh, in Georgia, and many other states where a lot of times the state has resources, but they're just unable to connect with these women that are in need. And so that's the value that we've brought to the table. And we're proud to say that in many of these states, we've seen uh, record numbers of women 
uh, choosing life for themselves and for their preborn children. Uh, but because of this unique approach, uh, we know that it is both um, serving women uh, who are in these difficult situations as well as rescuing children. And I think that that's an important talking point, even for those who are elected officials, that it is critically important, obviously, to rescue the child. That's the most important thing. But it is also important to link that to helping those who are in these difficult circumstances. And as you pointed out, uh, one of the top areas is housing. Uh, it's financial and housing are two of the top areas that these women uh, who are in crisis say that they need. Well, that's wonderful. I want to hear a little bit more about the Human Coalition, but we'll be right back with our fabulous guest, Dean Nelson, in one minute. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. You know, you have mentioned the Human Coalition. Uh, what exactly is that? When did it get started? And what would you say is the mission statement? Yeah, I am blessed to be able to work with uh, a group of uh, guys that were mostly business guys um, over just over a decade ago uh, when they felt called by God to use their resources from the business world, uh, marketing and um, you know, running for-profit companies and bringing that to the nonprofit space to rescue children from abortion. And the way that they uh, they found to do it is by engaging with women who are seeking abortions primarily online. And so they started that about uh, 12 years ago and uh, it's grown to be one of the largest pro-life uh, organizations in the country based out of Plano, Texas. Uh, we now uh, employ over uh, 230 uh, people around the country who every day uh, make it their business to uh, to make abortion unthinkable. Uh, that's kind of our, our stated mission. And we do that through a variety of, uh, of services that we provide. Uh, and I'll give you an example. So right now in the city of Chicago, we have a telecare program uh, that we run that basically engages with women who are searching for abortion online. Uh, we kind of interrupt them. So we'll be like the top search engine uh, name. Uh, women will contact us, uh, distraught, sometimes feeling under pressure. Uh, and we will have uh, our nurses that will, you know, walk through a, a decision guide with them to help them to make a decision. So it's not forcing something on them, but it's simply asking them questions and how we can empower them to make the healthy decision. As I mentioned earlier, 76 percent of women who are seeking an abortion say they would choose to parent if their circumstances were different. So we're trying to bridge that gap between the challenges that they're experiencing answering those challenges. And many times there are private organizations, there are public, you know, state-run organizations that can provide those resources, uh, whether it's housing, uh, whether it is uh, financial, whether it is uh, emotional support. Some of these women, Dr. Carson, simply need someone that will walk with them through this process. And we have a, uh, a mentoring process that we uh, can take them through. Even though if Dr. Carson, they decide to terminate their pregnancy. Our staff will continue to walk with them as long as they want 
because we recognize that uh, we don't want them to make that decision again. And uh, yeah. many of these uh, women have uh, continued to consult uh, with us, gotten support from us uh, because they really need that help. And 98% of women, even when they say, I'm not going to use your services, 98% of them say they would refer our services to a friend uh, because of how they were treated. And uh, we try to make that a top priority. Well, you know, the pro-abortionists, uh, they do, they try their hardest to make sure that these women don't actually fully understand what an abortion is. And they try to say that's just sort of like a meaningless bunch of cells that doesn't mean anything. But uh, the fact of the matter is, particularly when you get into second and third trimester, uh, it's pretty brutal. I mean, you're sticking a force up into the uterus and grabbing what you can't even see what you're grabbing, twisting and turning and boom, out comes an arm. I mean, you can't deny it. It's got little fingers on it and little fingernails. You know, out comes a kidney. I mean, dismembering an individual that has sensation and has feel, I mean, it is the most barbaric thing imaginable, but they go through great lengths to make sure that people don't actually understand what's going on. I, th I think it really is criminal that they do that. But uh, in terms of the things, the options that you can provide, a woman comes and she's distraught. Uh, there's no way that she can take care of a child financially. Uh, what options do you give her? Yeah. So number one, when she calls, uh, she knows that she's got a, a healthcare professional that is responding to her questions. As you pointed out many times, you know, these women, some of them are young. They don't they're not even really sure biologically what's what's going on. Uh, and so the goal is, number one, to provide them uh, that encouragement uh, if they choose uh, to walk through with their pregnancy. We want to get them the best uh, care. And so we'll provide, um, you know, the uh, the vitamins uh, that she needs to make sure that uh, uh, she's having a healthy pregnancy and connect her to the resources. So um, there are times uh, when she feels like, hey, I want to keep the child, uh, but I just can't financially support the child. And so we work with a number of agencies uh, adoption agencies, particularly Christian adoption agencies that will come alongside her uh, so that she can have, in some cases, you know, a lot of laws have been changed. There are open adoptions where uh, she'll have access to her child, uh, even though uh, the child's rights, uh, you know, are, um, are with a, uh, you know, two other parents. And so that's an option that we provide. Uh, we really are aggressive with trying to connect her to uh, financial resources um, that she needs. Uh, when she comes into one of our brick and mortar locations, there's a host of uh, baby clothes, uh, resources, you know, cribs, um, you know, car seat. Uh, we really try to pinpoint what her specific needs are. Some come in and they don't have some of the same needs, but they really just want someone to walk alongside. Some of them have been ditched by a boyfriend that says, you need to get an abortion. And she's doesn't want to do that, then they just need someone to walk alongside her. I'm proud that uh, our partnership with the Church of God in Christ, we are working on a, a national mentoring program uh, so that um, volunteers are trained and skilled to understand how to provide mentorship to women that have these difficult needs. So those are some of the things that we do um, through our work with uh, engaging with these women through Human Coalition. Now, you, meant, you mentioned uh, uh, the adoption process. Uh, why is it so difficult and expensive for someone to adopt an American baby? That's why people go overseas and adopt. But what, what, what is behind that? Do you have any idea? You know, part of it is, I, I mean, I, I hate to say that, you know, we, it, it's demand. I mean, and so there are some people who have the resources that they really want a child. And so they... Some of these agencies realize that they can they can make money by doing that. There are many people, uh, and this is one of the sad realities. There are many people, Dr. Carson, in our country 
that really want to have children and some of them have the resources. And so uh, we've worked with some legislatures to provide grants, you know, because some people have asked me, they say, you know, why is it that, um, you know, we can't get black Americans to uh, to adopt? And I was like, no, 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 no. I was like, black Americans have been involved with adoption for generations. It just may not be a formal adoption where they have to pay a lot of money to get them. You know, we'll take care of, you know, Aunt Susie might take care of her, her niece's child. Um, but you're right. There is a huge barrier to formal adoption of cost. And um, we really would like to work with, um, you know, private agencies as well as, um, you know, states to help provide grants and um, uh, tax incentives to get those numbers down, because I think that you would have more people within our community that would like to adopt, but the cost can be extravagant. Absolutely. And we'll be back with our fascinating guests in one night. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. ask you about black families. You know, 67% of black kids in the United States uh, live in fatherless homes, as opposed to 24% of white kids. And that was markedly different when I was a kid. I mean, this has all happened within one lifetime. Yes, sir. What do you think's going on there? Well, there are a lot of forces that have been working against uh, the black family since uh, we arrived uh, in America. And uh, at the Douglas Leadership Institute two years ago, we published a, a black family report that really is designed to look at the resilience of the black family um, throughout its, uh, its history here in America. But to your point, uh, what we have seen is some people refer to it as the uh, industrial complex. Uh, but in, in, in our country, I think sometimes through um, uh, the idea of helping, uh, sometimes though through, I think, uh, the idea of really, you know, I hate to say it, but in real, real honest dialogue, um, there's some discrimination that has participated with this. And we talked earlier about Margaret Sanger uh, in Planned Parenthood and the eugenics movement. Uh, what I have seen is there have been bad policies, uh, particularly during the 60s and the 70s, that were, quote unquote, intended to help, but actually had horrible effects, particularly by, uh, by taking the black man uh, out of the home. Uh, we have countless stories in urban areas where you have had, um, you know, black women telling of how they had to, you know, uh, lie, how they had to uh, to hide, you know, uh, a husband or a boyfriend uh, when the uh, social service director came. Uh, there's realities. I remember reading from uh, Jonah Goldberg's book uh, a few years ago, Liberal Fascism, that documented how there were over a hundred thousand workers that went into black homes convincing black people to get onto welfare uh, because there were people like my grandfather. They were called. Um, uh, let me see that. Uh, what was the title that they used? 
uh, the two prouds. That was a term that was given to black men in particular that did not want to accept these type of handouts. And we're not saying that there shouldn't be a, uh, you know, a, a safety net uh, that exists for people, but it's not designed for people to stay there. And I think that some of those bad policies uh, influenced in some cases by uh, eugenics. I mean, today there still is the Office of Population Affairs, which gets hundreds of millions of dollars from the federal government. And and I'm going to pause there, Dr. Carson. Again, it is called the Office of Population Affairs that was established uh, first by Johnson, then under the Nixon administration, with the sole purpose of engaging with black people. And still, if you visit at HHS today, you can still find the Office of Population Affairs and they still use even antiquated terms of supporting things like um, uh, reducing uh, the black family, but they even uh, use uh, terms uh, you know, that you and I would think would be horrible to use today, but they still have some of these phrases on their websites like sterilization literally you can find sterilization that is used on their websites today so those are the type of policies i think they were enacted that had horrible effects uh, on the black community and i'll close by saying this you know it was uh, 54 years ago i guess now where um there was a, an, an outcry patrol patrick daniel moynihan if you remember daniel patrick moynihan if you remember uh had that report that showed that there was an alarming rate of almost 20 percent of black children that were being born out of wedlock and sadly today um the best uh demographic group is the asian community and it's 20 percent so the horrible stats that we go back to from Daniel Patrick Moynihan uh, bringing that out of uh, the number of black children that were being uh, uh, born to without fathers. Uh, it's horrible in our community and it's impacted all of America. And I believe that we want to do everything that we can to have good policies that support families and strengthen families. But there's a lot that could be learned uh, from the Black Family Report that the Douglas Leadership Institute released just two years ago. Absolutely. And, you know, when you look at what's happening to just families in general in America, we're down to 23.1 million traditional nuclear families mm. with the father, the mother, and the children under the age of 18. Uh, we have so many variations now. And it's interesting because the Marxists uh, years ago in their writings talking about the United States and how strong we were, that it would be virtually impossible to overcome us because uh, we're just militarily too strong and we have values and morals that sustain us. And they said the only way to bring the Americans down is to attack their faith and their families. Mm -hmm. And aren't those the things that they seem to be focusing on right now and doing a pretty good job of destroying it? It's having a devastating effect on our country. We're spiraling downward at a breakneck speed. And it's going to take organizations like yours and, and American Cornerstone and all of us who are really truly interested in our fellow human beings and in true fairness. And, and some of the things that inspired the creation of this country you know, we believe that our rights came from God. Yes. And all of our money still says, in God we trust. And yet, we don't live that way anymore. We're becoming very secular. And as, as we remove our godly principles, we seem to be spiraling downward at breakneck speed. Do you think, as a minister of God, that there's hope for us? to have a revival or are we beyond that stage? Well, I'm happy to say um, with Jesus, there's always hope. And uh, I'm constantly inspired by people like yourself who have not just retired and could be go off the scene, but you have used the grace and the platform that God has given you 
to elevate some of these discussions. And so I'm so grateful for the American Cornerstone Institute that is not afraid to boldly stand up for the principles that have made America great. I do believe that there's hope. Um, you know, when I read, I've been reading through the book of Judges and, um, you know, there were these cycles where Israel would fall into uh, horrible um, uh, backslidden conditions. But in those moments, uh, they would be overtaken by other nations. Uh, but God would get their attention. And I'm hoping and praying that God is getting our attention in this country. And God would then raise up a judge like a Samuel or God would raise up a judge like a Gideon. God would raise up a, a judge like a Deborah that would um, rise up and be a voice for righteousness and justice. And I'm reminded of a quote from Frederick Douglass, who once said that I have one great political idea, the best expression of it. He said, I have found in the Bible and it is in substance. Righteousness exalts a nation. Sin is a reproach to any people. So I'm encouraged uh, through examples of people like you. It's not just preachers, but it's doctors, it's lawyers, it's ordinary citizens that are saying, I want to make my voice uh, clear. I want to stand for righteousness and justice in our culture and encourage the church. You know, throughout history, God used a lot of people, not just the priests. He used ordinary people, shepherds and others to take their place to be a voice for righteousness and justice in our com communities. Absolutely. Fantastic. Hey, I feel like I'm in church. <laughs> well, well, you know, when, when Alexis de Tocqueville came here to study our nation, you know, he was very impressed with our uh, business environment, with the educational facilities that we had. Uh, but the thing that impressed him the most were our churches and those sermons that came out of those pulpits that gave the people the courage to do what they needed to do. And he concluded by saying, America is great because America is good. Yes. And if America ever ceases to be good, she will cease to be great. And... Um, we're in the process of ceasing to be good, but we haven't gotten there yet. And I think maybe we can turn it around uh, so that we can, in fact, be great again. We will be right back with some closing comments from Dean Nelson in one minute. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. You know, we may have to change the title because common sense doesn't seem to be common anymore. It seems to be very rare. The way things are going, and I always say, just when I think things are as crazy as they can get, they get a little crazier. But, you know, we have to recognize that this country has been through some pretty horrendous things, and we survived. Yes. And we have a lot of people who try to denigrate religion and faith, but that is what is going to be a big part of saving this country. But uh, I want to ask you, Dean, what can Congress do to promote family bonds and strengthening of the American family? Do they have a role in this at all? 
I'm glad you uh, glad you mentioned that. Um, there are three things that that I would say um, that Congress can do. Number one, you know, going from a biblical standard, um, you know, government exists primarily to protect uh, the innocent and to punish, you know, punish criminals. And uh, but one other thing it does say, uh, Saint Peter wrote, is that also government can be used to. Uh, to affirm good uh, from from its citizens, and I think that one of the things that we should have Congress doing is celebrating the good. Sometimes when we look in our culture, we find the bad, and we want to study the bad. But I think that one of the things that they can do is highlight the good, where there are good things that are being done, like the Church of God in Christ, you know, making their strong public stand on the sanctity of human life. Let's recognize and celebrate that. If we find programs that are working like what we've done at Human Coalition in Texas and other states where they've appropriated funds to help women that are in need, um, that are trying to, uh, you know, make that healthy choice to save their children. I think that those are things that they can do. Uh, I would highlight that the our founding documents, as you well know, emphasize life, liberty, and, you know, and I think that standing up for the sanctity of human life, whether it's at the state or at the federal level, is extremely important. You know, with the overturn of Roe versus Wade, certainly it's given the states and people in those states to define how they want to place limits on abortion. But that does not that doesn't preclude those in Congress and at the federal level going back to our history of standing for the protection of preborn citizens. Government exists primarily to protect, right? And so part of what we're trying to do at Human Coalition is to create this national rescue system for the most vulnerable. There's nothing more vulnerable than preborn children that can't speak for themselves. And I think that at the federal level, we need to remind all of our elected officials that we have a right and a duty to protect all of American citizens, even those that are preborn. Um those are some of the things that I think that they should be doing uh, in Congress. And the last thing that I would say, number three, is find a bunch of things that you have done in the past and repeal them. Because I think in many cases, they've overstepped their boundaries. They're doing more than what is constitutionally uh, responsible, certainly from the original framers, where you know we talked a little bit earlier about programs that we know that have hurt. Like, why should we have today an office of population affairs that gets hundreds of millions of dollars that was based in a eugenic mindset to actually slow down the birth rate in the black community? That's horrendous for me. So I think that there are, that we should have uh, responsible, constitutional, conservative leaders that look at bad policies that we should identify and repeal those things so that we have greater freedom uh, in our country and less government intervention. Wonderful. And how do people reach Bishop Dean Nelson uh, if they want to know more about what you're doing, if they want to get involved? Number one, we encourage people uh, for Human Coalition on the pro-life side to visit us at humancoalition.org. Uh, for the Douglas Leadership Institute and our work uh, honoring the great legacy of Frederick Douglass, they can visit us at dlinstitute.org. And they can find me at Dean Nelson on Twitter or on Facebook. Uh, and there's probably a whole host of new uh, social media areas that I don't know. But at least at those places, they can find us. Uh, we want to engage with people around the country who believe in righteousness and justice to work together to, fall, to solve some of the challenges that we're facing in our country. And we're so proud to work with uh, American Cornerstone Institute. Thank you for giving us the opportunity, Dr. Carson, to uh, get our message out. Well, thank you for being with us today and bringing us some hope in this dark world. And uh, may God bless your efforts. And we look forward to a continued relationship with your organization. Yes, sir. Thank you so very much. God bless you. I normally find bras to be so uncomfortable and constricting, but Skims has changed that. You know I love Skims underwear, so I finally tried their bras, and Skims has delivered again. Skims bras are worth the hype for the amazing shape and support they give, but what I wasn't expecting was how comfortable they are too. I've tried so many bras in the past. 
And the main issue that I have is that they weren't supportive enough to the point where they felt slouchy. I love my Skims wireless form bra because it's so comfortable and supportive. The older I get, the more I care about actually being comfortable in what I wear every day. And with my wireless form bra, I no longer have to sacrifice my comfort for the support I need. Shop Skims bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A to 46H. Plus, get free shipping on all orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. As we approach the one-year anniversary of the overturn of Roe v. Wade, there's still a lot of work to be done. We all have to recognize that human life is something that is so precious. And we don't have the ability to create life. And we certainly shouldn't wantonly be destroying life. And I want us to all think about what we can do in our own spheres. And for your assignment this week, find a pro-life center that is right near you. There are thousands of them throughout the country. And get involved. Offer your time, your talent, or your resources just to help to save one life. And remember... Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure you don't miss any episodes. Rate us, review us, tell your friends about us. We need to spread common sense. We got to make it common once again. And remember the cornerstone principles. Life, so important. We talked about that today. But faith, community, liberty. These are the things that our country was built on. Until next week, see you then.